Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners. It's Nicole Giantonio, the founder of Left Foot. And I'm here to announce that our 12 audio-based business development challenges are now available. 12 practical, execution-oriented steps to predictable success. Part of the Left Foot GPS growth practice solutions for business development. Go to leftfoot.com GPS for details. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guest leads a practice focused on complex securities litigation, professional liability, and bankruptcy litigation in federal, state trial, and appellate courts across the country. She worked on the largest financial crisis-related litigations of the past several years, a partner since 2007 at Hughes, Hubbard & Reed, Sarah Cave. Welcome to Left Foot. Thank you, Nicole. I'm very glad to be here. Great to have you as a guest on our program, Sarah. Let's jump right into our questions. Sarah, which of your personal strengths or habits have allowed you to be successful in developing the business that you have in your practice? There are a few that I can think of, Nicole. First, I love digging into tough problems. And whether that's multi-jurisdictional litigation or a complex company that's gone into bankruptcy or a novel legal issue, I really love diving into and figuring out how to solve those problems. With that, the more complicated the problems, that requires more organization. So I'm a big fan of checklists and charts. I love those colored tape flags that you can use to flag key points. And third is listening. You have to hear what the client wants and what their concerns are. And if you're in front of a judge, you really need to understand what the judge is looking for. So I try to put all three of those strengths or habits into play when I'm developing business as well. So let me ask, when you first started out in your career, first off, did you struggle in any of those three areas? Did you have a perspective that those things would make you successful? I would say that the listening trait is something that's drilled into us from elementary school. But in terms of understanding how to really listen in a way that helps me understand what the client needs, that's certainly something that I've really worked on developing over time and has come with experience and working with different clients from different areas of the world, from different business sectors, and from different backgrounds and levels of sophistication. You know, it's interesting. And I think as we become more confident in our areas of practice, we're more comfortable asking follow-up questions. don't know if that was your experience, but I know we've heard that from other guests. Being able to talk with your business clients and really ask some good questions and ask follow-up clarification questions can be helpful. I agree. So let's jump into strategy. So at this point in your career, you have a responsibility to your firm to be working with clients to have a particular amount of work that you're either bringing into the firm or working on at the firm. Do you sit down and plan out your year at a particular time? Do you have a specific growth strategy, whether that's following up with clients, assuming some of your work is one time only with that client? There are things that you do to strategize about the business that you're going to be working on in a coming year, in a particular period. 
Yes. And I have a little mantra that I use for myself that I try to, to deploy each year. And that's show up, put up, and to be a little candid, shut up. And in terms of show up, that means looking for the events and the situations that I can go to to meet people who are potential clients or potential contacts or just other people who are good to know in the legal profession. In terms of put up, that means looking to make sure that I'm building the skills and having the areas of expertise that I need in the current legal market, as well as the current business environment and with all the current technological developments and making sure that I have the full toolkit that I am able to deploy in any situation in which I or my firm are hired. And in terms of shut up, it's usually a phrase that I don't say to another person, obviously, but it's something I say to myself in terms of listening and observing and making sure that I'm informed and being aware of what the client's needs are and who my audience is and making sure that I'm responding to the audience who's in front of me. And all three have a place, of course. Our next question talks about tactical best practices. You mentioned in the show up that you attend events and you make sure that you're out in the market and you're visible in the place where potential new business might come from, whether that's through your reputation, through a talk. You know, which events do you attend? What types of events? If we could start there. And then I definitely have a question about shut up, but we'll, we'll get there next. So in terms of events, I'm very active in a number of different bar associations, for example. I'm currently the chair of the executive committee of the New York City Bar. And so I spend quite a bit of time at meetings and events at the City Bar. And those are important primarily to help elevate my profile in the legal profession. A fair amount of business that my firm and I receive is because of the reputation that we've worked so hard to build and maintain. And so my activities at the City Bar are an important part of that. In addition, I'm active in the International Bar Association, which has given me some wonderful opportunities to travel abroad, in particular in Europe, and meet foreign lawyers, foreign business people there who've now become a great source of referral. So that's been a wonderful experience as well. So those are a couple of examples that I can give you in terms of where I plan to show up. We hear such good things about people that are involved in the bar and local bars and of course have that exposure more broadly. It can lead to opportunity. Frankly, it allows you to create relationships with peers. And those peer relationships over time, a lot of those folks will end up in other roles and other places, possibly not at firms. Definitely can have some downstream business effects as a professional, a seasoned professional. I had to really work hard on making sure that I was not jumping to a conclusion of what I thought a client wanted, but truly understanding. Was there any point in your career where either you got some advice around how to ensure that you were either helping the client understand what their real objective was, any specific advice or tactical advice around ensuring you're listening? What I try to do is step into the client's shoes, be curious about what motivated them to work where they work, understand their role in the company or the entity in which they're working, and understand the kind of day-to-day challenges that they face. 
I tend to ask a lot of questions and trying to understand their problems and, and how they approach them and what makes them tick. If we're not in the same room together, I can anticipate what it is they're going to need before they need it. And that's a good way to develop a relationship that they can trust and have confidence and know that I'm, I'm reliable. It's also about doing the little things that make the client's lives easier. And sometimes that may be completely unrelated to a particular matter. But for example, I had a, a client from Europe who was doing a lot of travel in the United States and we were commiserating over the long lines that you have to wait for at customs. And I tipped him on to the global entry program. And he then went through that process and loved how miraculously he could then speed through and entering into the U.S. So it was, again, just kind of a little thing that helped make his life easier. And I would have to say, following that, we had a pretty good, very cordial relationship both working with each other and then also staying in touch even after the matter ended. And just to circle back in terms of understanding what the client wants and also knowing what your profile is in the industry, a lot of times former and current clients are a great source of referral business as well. So having the client have a very good impression of you and being willing to recommend you to someone else is a really important thing to develop over the course of the matter that you're working on. We hear often that lawyers who hear from the other side, their actions representing their client showed well to the opposing party, keeping those relationships acting in a way that shows your skills and appropriateness. Sarah, when I first started out, I I was a little less, and definitely into the mid part of my career, I was a little less comfortable doing things that were outside of the business realm. Recommending global entry, of course, would be one thing. But an example, a podcast guest had made a pizza over the weekend. And I said, oh, I have some hints. And he had a pizza oven outside. Actually made him this very short video about making pizza. It was so interesting because he really responded positively. And it took five minutes out of your life. And similarly, to order a car for someone, to give them a restaurant recommendation, to suggest a hotel or a museum that's near where they're staying. Those things are so easy. And the impression that someone can get from the fact that you actually do that yourself, as opposed to just saying, oh, my assistant will do it for me. Maybe that's the thing that would save the time. But over the longer term, showing that person that you really care about making their lives easier, if you make their lives easier in a personal sense, they'll then trust you that you'll do that when it comes down to a really contentious matter. We've heard often on our program that there's associations. If you're on the soccer field, sideline, and you look like an attentive parent, a good community member, that translates in you're probably a good lawyer, which I think is really an interesting point. And now a word from our sponsor, Nicole here, and a shout out and thank you for tuning in to the Left Foot Podcast. Are you looking to energize your business development efforts? Our 12 Left Foot Business Development Challenges will energize your efforts in three areas. Business Development Grit, tactical habits that lead to business development success, including networking, nailing your niche, how to focus and develop an expert reputation, commercial savoir-faire, a discussion on business and the revenue side of law. At Left Foot, we believe 20% of people are natural at business development, 10% say no to business development, and 70% are neutral and can adopt the skills necessary when presented in an organized, methodical way. To learn more and be challenged, go to the GPS page at leftfoot.com. 
let's jump into a success story. Do you have a particular success story, not about litigation or one of your successes in court, but really about securing a client to represent? Is there a success story that stands out for you? Yes. And it ties into the both the show up and put up elements of my mantra that I mentioned earlier and also into the IBA. So I went to an IBA conference overseas and I had a speaking opportunity there. I was moderating a panel on some bankruptcy issues. So I had a chance to feature some of the areas of expertise that I know about and also just ability to organize a group and command a room through the course of the program. And I was the only representative from my firm at that conference. So in connection with being in a new city in a different country, I set up meetings with foreign lawyers from other firms and had the chance to get to know them personally, talk about my practice, talk about the firm and get to know them a little bit better and stayed in touch with them after the conference. A few months went by and they had a litigation matter that arose here in the U.S. and they needed a a good group of New York lawyers. So they reached out to me and it materialized into a significant matter. So that that was a success story that I was really proud about having gone out, sought out the opportunity, done well with the presentation that I did there, cultivated relationships, stayed in touch, and it worked out over time into materializing into a matter. Fantastic. And what was the time frame on that from the point of the presentation to the call? I mean, what was the time span? A little less than a year, which frankly is kind of long in some respects and short in others. I run marathons for fun. (laughs) And so I know that you have to put in a lot of work and training for the marathon. And then the marathon itself is obviously a long race and you have to be able to get all the way through and you don't get all the reward until you get to the very end. So it's a similar way to look at business is that business development, that is that you have to put in the work and you have to hang in there for a long time for some ups and downs, but eventually it pays off. I can recall many circumstances like that where much longer than a year had passed, but obviously you had made an impression. The person had recall of having talked with you and of course the follow-up. We do talk to our listeners, to our clients about the build, that it takes time and it is a marathon. Great response, great story. Let me ask, you know, the market has changed. You were based on some of your cases, but you were part of the market changing in the 2008 to 2010 timeframe. How did that change your business? How did that change your approach to the market, the way that you work with clients? How are changing market conditions part of how you practice today? Well, the market's always changing, as you know, Nicole. And so being flexible and versatile and ready to jump on anything new is always an ongoing challenge for lawyers looking for new business. What I would say is that it's identifying the core skills and characteristics that I have and how that can be deployed in a variety of different situations. So to contrast the kind of two periods in my career, I cut my teeth representing the big four firms in class action litigation, regulatory investigations, and those types of matters. And when the financial crisis hit in 2008, I became much more involved in matters that had some bankruptcy element, sometimes all-consuming, sometimes a minor element. And so it just meant capturing the skills that I had learned through the first part of my career and redeploying them in a slightly different environment 
But again, it circles back to dealing with tough problems, being organized, figuring out a plan and how to work through them, and figuring out where my firm and I can best deploy ourselves as new issues arise. So since then, I've done a fair amount of work that has, as I said, some bankruptcy element. But now there are new flavors of class action litigation that seem to be cropping back up again. So I'm kind of circling back to some of the class action strategies, class action defense strategies that I was using earlier in my career, albeit in a different context involving directors and officers, involving cryptocurrency, and some of the newer trends or current trends in securities litigation. Always a changing environment, like many things we've experienced in the past comes back and being flexible and being able to respond to that. One of the other things that is absolutely changed and continues to change in the legal environment, legal services, law firm environment is the innovation that's going on. Of innovation and the technology side, obviously other entrants into the legal environment. When you look out within your firm, within the discussions you're having at the Bar Association events and and in the leadership meetings that you're having, what are you hearing that you believe is truly innovative that's going on in the legal industry today? What I see that's innovative now is not necessarily the device or the platform or the gadget, but how to leverage technology to refocus and reinvigorate the client relationship. To step back at the heart of the lawyer-client relationship is trust and confidence. Technology is never going to replace that, but the question is how can you leverage technology to make that easier, to help you make and maintain that personal connection? To be candid, I've yet to see anybody win a client because they had the snazziest new thing, but innovation is a vehicle to be able to communicate how well you can respond to the client's needs, be aware of the most current developments in the law, monitor the client's business and industry so that you know the things that are changing and to be able to anticipate what their needs will be and what the legal issues are that will arise and to be able to respond to those. So I think to circle back to the beginning that what I see that really advances people to the next level in terms of the business that they're able to generate is how well they can leverage that technology to be able to build those relationships. More data, being able to go back to your client and walk through what's occurring, the work that's been done. I think it does help with communication. If there's technology that's helping to keep the client informed and to review matters or research more quickly or more effectively, or be able to compile research at a detail level that hadn't been done before, that I think can be quite impactful. It's also in a sense kind of built into the baseline of what's expected of clients. So that's, we're always trying to keep up with the Joneses here in in the law firm world in in one sense, because the clients do expect a minimum (laughs) level of technological sophistication across the board. So you certainly don't want to be any farther behind what everybody else is doing. But like I said, just not letting technology get in the way of what's really important about developing business. And that's the personal connection. Sarah, for those that are starting out, new partners, hoping to be a partner here in the next you know, year or so, what advice do you have for them about beginning to develop their practice, beginning to continuing that process of meeting people that could potentially be clients? What advice do you have for those listeners? There are a few things. One is to formulate a plan 
I think it's good to have a plan. As I said, I'm a very organized person, but not to have a plan that is so inflexible that you miss an opportunity. So in other words, setting goals for yourself, both over the long, medium and short term, but being aware of those opportunities that might crop up along the way and seizing on those. So just let me give a a short example that just happened to me this week, actually. A colleague called me on Monday and said, can you be in Washington tomorrow? And I said, well, I think so. Why? And he said, well, I was supposed to speak on a panel, but I have a client emergency and I can't go. Can you cover it for me? And I had no awareness of that the panel was even occurring. I hadn't seen the outline, but it was in the area of accounts liability. So obviously something that I know very well. And so I said, sure. And I made the travel arrangements and found a way to get there. I got up to speed on the outline the night before and was ready. And we went yesterday and it was a by accounts of the audience who came up and spoke to us afterwards. It seemed like it was a success. So you kind of have to just jump on those opportunities when they fall on your lap, even if it's something that you haven't planned. I would add that being informed is a really important thing for people starting out to keep in mind. And by being informed, I mean being informed, obviously, about the development of the law, but also being informed in terms of business and industry and knowing what's going on. Some of the best advice that I got in my legal career was from a professor I had at Michigan my third year. And he told us all to start reading the Wall Street Journal every day. And the first time I did it, it took me probably an hour and a half (laughs) to read it cover to cover. But eventually you become familiar with that lingo. And as a lawyer, a lawyer who has a business-based practice, you need to know what's going on in the business world. You need to know where those opportunities are. You need to know if your client's name has shown up in the news and what's happening. But also be informed in terms of being a well-rounded person. If you are going to go to these networking events and bar activities and conferences, you need to have some interesting things to talk about. So making time to go to the theater, to read books, to enjoy different sports, understand what's going on in the art world, whatever the case may be, being a well-rounded person just makes you more interesting to be around and makes it easier with those first few questions at a cocktail party that are always a little bit hard to break through. And then to circle back to something I talked about at the beginning, I just wanted to add the listening. Just can't emphasize enough how I think it's important to develop that trait that you can read a room and then read that connection with the client that you'll begin to develop that relationship of trust and confidence. What I like about all three is they're not overwhelming. So having a plan, being flexible about it, being informed, which I think is something that not every person embraces. But to your point, that's a great example. I mean, that idea of starting somewhere. If someone starts reading the Wall Street Journal and over time they don't develop or want to continue, they at least know they probably picked the wrong practice segment to focus in and they should look somewhere else. You obviously enjoy the work that you do. What do you enjoy most about it? I work with great people here at Hughes Hubbard. I am very fortunate to have a group of colleagues, both more senior to me at my level and associates who work for me, who really challenge me every day, who support me and work really well together as a team. So that's one of the reasons why I've stayed at Hughes Hubbard for most of my career. I've been here for 16 years now, plus two years before my clerkship. So I guess a total of 18. 
and have really enjoyed the people that I get to work with. That kind of teamwork and collegiality has led to the many different matters that you mentioned before in so many different areas of the world, areas of the business world, and working with interesting, challenging clients who who trust us with their important matters. So kind of putting all that together has made Hughes Hubbard a great place for me to work. The other thing about Hughes Hubbard that's been wonderful for me in particular is the pro bono and public interest work that I've been able to do while I'm here. So I've done a lot of work on immigration cases pro bono, and I do serve on several nonprofit boards in the public interest world. And those two aspects really round out my career and make me feel like I'm a well-rounded person who's also giving back and being an active part of the community here in New York City. We absolutely hear that the lawyers are the fabrics of our communities. They're ensuring that people are treating each other fairly and and setting legislation in our communities. And then through pro bono work, really contributing to so many needed areas. Great thing to reflect on. Sarah, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on our program. Anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Well, thank you again, Nicole, for having me. And if anyone is listening to this podcast, and I hope they do, I think just by listening in and of itself, they're taking a step in the right direction to to build a plan for themselves and to figure out a way to be attentive to business development and how to formulate their own plan. So kudos for whoever's listening for taking step one. And I hope that they've found something in this podcast that they can take to heart and will help them find a way to generate business for themselves going forward. So thanks again for having me. Excellent. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. For information on our podcast, our 12-session business development challenge, and our online business development coursework, visit leftfoot.com. It takes focus and thought to lead with the left foot. Until next time.